audience today. That's how we live today. By the greater one living on the inside of us today. Jesus is alive and he's living in you if you've made him the Lord of your life. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, worship team. Awesome job this morning. Thank you so much. You can be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Well, glory to God. I've got a few things I want to share from the Word of God with you this morning. A little, just some brief things to, uh, to minister on this morning. But I want to, uh, I want to talk a little bit to you from, and you can be opening to the book of Isaiah, if you would, the, the book of Isaiah chapter number 42. And we're going to read, I'm going to be reading some scripture from chapter 42 and from chapter 43 uh, of Isaiah. Um, as I said, this is, this is kindly a, a, it's a, it's a celebration service, uh, supposed to be anyway, amen, I'm celebrating, amen. But uh, God has, has just been so, so good to, uh, to us and to this church in the past, uh, in the past 16 years. And in August of 2003, August of 2003, um, we, we began this work, uh, myself, my wife, and I don't remember exactly. I know the first, the Sunday that we chartered the church, we had 18 people that signed the charter that were charter members. And, um, but the very first Sunday, I don't remember exactly how many we had. It was around 16, 17, something like that that we began with. And you've heard, uh, you've heard the story, many of you have, of Abundant Life Family Church. Somebody said every church has a story, and uh, we've got one. And um, uh, for the last 16 years, God has just blessed us in such a great way. And I want to say how, how happy and thrilled and excited we are that every one of you here are a part of, of this church and this ministry, that God has brought you here and sent you here and planted you here in Abundant Life Family Church. And there's some that are not here today, some uh, that, that uh, for whatever reason or other couldn't be here. And, uh, but you that are here, God has brought you here and planted you here. And um, I've, I've just got a few, a few pictures. We try to do this uh, on our yearly anniversary celebration sort of thing and show a few pictures to give you an idea or to remind us, to remind us of where we started and where we came from and where God has brought us to now. Because everything that God has done has been, it's been by His hand. It's been, I don't take the credit for it by any means. Amen. Um, you know, I don't, I don't take the credit for any growth. So if I don't take the credit for the growth, I can't take the credit if there's not growth, all right? <laughs> or take the blame, so to speak. But um, everything, that, that, everything that, that has happened in Abundant Life Church, God has done it. So I'm going to ask Corey if he'll show that first picture. Just to give you an idea, there was our first sanctuary. All right, we began in a, in a, in a family room, uh, uh, 20 by 20, I believe it was, family room. Those were our first 
pews or chairs. And then the next one, the next picture shows, uh, if you can see that, um, that's our, it's a little bit dark, but that was, uh, that was our makeshift pulpit. We had a TV tray with a little Bible stand on it, and uh, that's, where, that's where we preached the Word of God from. And so God opened the door and um, provided us with a, uh, a warehouse building. And that was, that was what it looked like when we first opened the doors to look in there, and, I, and of course it was uh, Sister Bunny, remember, it was Brett and Bunny's building, and, and it was, this was after it was cleaned out. The first day I looked at it, Brother Brett had all of his, uh, so much stuff stored in there, and they opened those overhead doors, and I looked in there, and I thought, how in the world can this ever be a church? But, uh, but everything got moved out, and then we had, a, we had some faithful folks of, out of those 17, 18 people that came in and worked and worked diligently to, to, to make us a, a, a church. And any of you all that were at the old building over there, you know um, this is what it looked like when we first went in. But uh, you all that were there and were a part of it after it was renovated on the inside, it was a, a very, very nice facility and is still today being used as a church, amen, Elevate Faith Church is over there now. So, so what we did then is still bearing some fruit today, all right? So let's go to the next picture there. And uh, as I'll mention here in a little bit, you know, uh, when we first went into the building, we had half of the building, the other half was a karate school. And uh, there was, that was quite an interesting thing there, you know. Uh, when the karate school was there, um, they, had, they had their punching bag on the same wall right behind where the pulpit of our church was. And on Wednesday nights, many times while I was trying to preach on Wednesday nights, somebody would be in the karate school and they would be on that punching bag. And while I'm trying to preach, you could hear, and so, you know, we prayed, the Lord, you've got to, you've got to do something about this. And long story short, the karate school found them another place. They moved out and we were able to occupy the whole building, tore that wall down and occupy the whole building. Go to the next one, please. And there was our first congregation. And uh, that, that was our little, that was before we occupied the whole building. That was our first congregation. And I think, you know, it's hard, kind of hard to see. I'm not the best at doing these PowerPoint things. I need to hire me somebody to do all that. But uh, uh, Brittany's there and Michaela's there on that front row and, and uh, Bill and Linnell Gibbs and there's Miss Marcia and um, uh, Joe and Vicki Donovan and I can't tell who all, let's see. There's, uh, Bill, there's Elsie Mullinex there, Bill and Elsie. You can see the top of Ronnie Roethlisberger's head there in the very back. Uh, right-hand corner. But anyway, um, that was our first congregation. Those orange chairs that you see there are uh, uh, chairs that Brother Bill Mullinex found at a, he was driving by and, and, and there was, they had these orange chairs on, at a yard sale. And he just pulled over and he thought, well, we're, we're starting a church. We might need some chairs. So he bought those orange chairs and those were our first chairs that we had. 
Amen. Go, go to the next one. Then we went to, we, we really upgraded and went to these chairs we bought at Sam's. Those chairs are still being used in the children's church back here. So they're 16 years old, still being used. But we were really uptown now. We had, we had these nice padded chairs. That pulpit, Buddy built that pulpit. Brother Buddy built that. We still have that pulpit over in the uh, storage shed, I believe. And, uh, but it is solid. It's heavy. Amen. Go to the next one. Praise God. There's a picture of the outside of, of the church. And there's the sign, Abundant Life Family Church. And I, I took that picture because that, that picture shows uh, the outside of the, where we were and uh, this was taken right after we, just shortly after we had purchased this property here. And uh, I pulled in over there to the church one day, right after it had, a storm had come through and it had rained, and I pulled in, and there was a rainbow that was over the old building, and it was stretching over the old building. It was actually a full rainbow, and came came over, as you can see, behind that building. And where that rainbow comes down is on this property. And it was just like the Lord spoke to me. And of course, the rainbow is a symbol of God's faithfulness and of God's promises to us. And so uh, it was just the Lord spoke to me. And so I took that, took that picture because God was just reaffirming His faithfulness and how He was going to provide and He was going to take care of us. And He always has. He always has. Go to the next one. And that's a picture of the congregation after we'd taken the whole building over and, and uh, uh, we had the new chairs. and uh, That was one of our services. Go on to the next one if you would. There's the first nursery. And it's a little bit, like I said, it's a little bit dark. It's hard to see, but that's Sister Marcia uh, sitting down on the floor there. And there, I believe next to Marcia is Tegan uh, sitting there. And uh, is that Briar next to Tegan there? And uh, there's, one of the Ber- there's one of the Berg boys, or is that both of them? It's hard for me to tell you. There's both the Berg boys. Well, that was our first nursery, and uh, praise God. Those kids, you know, and here's the thing. Here's the awesome thing. Those kids are grown up. Here's Miss Tegan now sitting up here. And uh, Briar, he, you, you know, he's, he's a full-grown man now, and these boys are in college now. And, um, you know, just an awesome, awesome thing, how, what God has done and where he's brought us from. Go, go to the next one, please. I, I wish we could see that better because that is one of our first VBSs, our first vacation Bible school. And uh, you can't hardly see it, but right there on the front, there's Colin right on the front. And uh, I imagine Cordell's in there, and I can see uh, Brittany up there on the top. And and, uh, just, you know, just that was one of the first uh, VBS classes that we had at the old place, okay? There's our groundbreaking. We were uh, here on this new property, breaking ground. Go to the next one. That was Buddy and Brother Larry, I believe. And um, um, go back to that. Let me see. It was me and Brother Larry is there on, on that side, Brother Dan and Brother Buddy. All right. And then the last one just shows a picture. That was a picture of, of our very first service on November the 24th, uh, 2000 and uh, what was it, 13. 
um, our first service here at Abundant Life Family Church. So those, those weren't very good pictures, and I'll get somebody to do it better next time. But I just kind of put this together at the last minute. But anyway, to give you an idea of, of uh, where we have come from, what, we, what, what, what God has done for us. And so I want to read to you from Isaiah uh, chapter number, what I tell you, 42. Isaiah chapter number 42. And then we'll be going to Isaiah chapter number 43. But in Isaiah 42... Um, and verse number 6, notice what it says. Isaiah 42 and 6. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and will uphold thine hand, and will keep thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison. Now he's talking about the, the, the ministry, a prophecy of the ministry of the Messiah, of the Lord Jesus. But I believe that as this being the ministry of Jesus, it also should be uh, the ministry of the church as well. And uh, he said, I've called you to be a light for the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sat in darkness out of the prison house. How many believe that should be the, the focus and the ministry of the church in the world today? Because we are living in dark days. I mean, we're in a dark time, and there's a lot of people today that are spiritually blind, that need to see the light of the gospel. The Bible says that the God of this world, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of them that believe not to try to prevent them from the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ shining to them. So we've got to be a light and, 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 and an opener up of the blinded eyes. And, and our ministry here at Abundant Life and every church, the ministry of every church, I believe should be to bring prisoners out of the prison. And uh, I, what are you talking about? I, are you talking about literal prisons? I'm talking about people. Listen, there are people walking the streets today in St. Francis County and in Farmington and all around this mental area that are in a spiritual prison. They may be free to walk the streets, but spiritually they're bound. And spiritually they're in a prison. And spiritually they can't get free. And there's only there's the only one that can set the captive free and the only one that can open the prison doors and the only one that can, can loose those who are oppressed by the enemy is the Lord Jesus Christ. It can only be done through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know when we got ready, you know, when we were making plans to begin the church, of course, you know, you get a lot of encouragement, you know, from people. Uh, <laughs> a lot of encouraging words. Well, we're going to start a church, you know, and you think people say, oh, yeah, go for it. That we, you know, Farmington really needs another church. But that wasn't the word, that wasn't, was not the words of encouragement we got. The words that we got were something like, 
like this. Well, that's the, la the last thing Farmington needs is another church. Farmington has enough churches. We don't need any more churches. So everybody's all real encouraging, you know, about that. But, uh, but you know what? And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, we, don't, we don't claim to be any better than any other church. But I tell you what, uh, we do say this, and I do believe this, that God has called us and God has ordained us as a church and the Lord has founded this church and established it for this purpose to, to bring the light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to those who sit in darkness, to those who are bound in the prisons and that's, what they, you know, to those who are spiritually bound that they can be set free. And I'm gonna tell you what, I believe with all my heart that we have the right message that we have the message of Jesus Christ, him crucified, raised from the dead. Hallelujah, the blood of the lamb that sets the captive free, amen? There's nothing else that can deliver other than the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul said it in Romans chapter one and verse 16, he said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, amen? And so we've got to proclaim the gospel. Listen, God didn't call us and, and, and he didn't call us to try to be like anybody else or to copy anybody else. God called us here at Abundant Life Family Church to be the church, the called out ecclesia, the church that he wants us to be and to proclaim the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we'll be faithful to that vision and if we'll be faithful to that calling, I believe with all of my heart, God will continue to use us in the years to come to reach people, men and women, with the gospel, the, that, that, that the prison doors will be open and we'll see the spiritually blinded eyes open and even some physically blinded eyes open. Come on, somebody. God is still the same today as he ever was. Amen? And so the prison to bring the prisoners from the prison and them that sat in darkness out of the prison house. I am the Lord. That is my name. Verse number eight. My glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. And verse nine says, Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare. The former things are come to pass, and new things I declare. The former things we've just looked at through some of these pictures, the former things that uh, God was speaking of here to the people of Israel were the things that He had promised them and foretold them and things that had already been fulfilled that they had saw come to pass. And everything that God, and what God was saying to them here was, He says, the former things are come to pass. In other words, He was saying that the very things that I have promised you and that I said that I was going to do for you have already been done. You have seen them fulfilled before your eyes. And um, those fulfilled promises proved that 
these people should continue to trust God and believe Him even for new things and better things in their life. And I think all of us can look back upon our lives and see the things that God has done for us. I mean, individually, you can look back and think about some of the things that God has done in your life. And every promise that God has fulfilled for you and what He's done for you should be an encouragement to you to be able to continue to trust Him for, with your future. Are you with me? I mean, has God been faithful to you? Has he, ever, has he ever failed you? Has he ever let you down? No, he never has. And I know sometimes people would say, well, yeah, you know, he did fail me. But no, no, listen, we fail God a lot. But there's one thing about the Lord. He never fails us and never lets us down. And that's what the Lord was saying to these, to these people. And I believe that's what he's trying to say to us today as well. That we can trust him with our future. We can believe him for new things and better things that he's promised to us um, because of the fact that he's already brought to pass the former things that he said that he would do. We can look back on our past and see where we were and see where God has brought us to and, and know that God will always be faithful to us. Now there's the things, you know, a lot of people, I, I don't believe that we are to live in the past. Now how many are with me this morning? I don't believe that we're to live in the past. You can't live in victory by living in the past all the time. Sometimes people are talking about, you know, the, the former days of the church and the glory days of the church and the good old days. Anybody ever talk about the good old days? So what, You know, well, there's been some good old days, but we can't live in the good old days. We can't live in the past. We're where we are right now. And there's nothing wrong, are you with me? There's nothing wrong with looking back on, as we've just done here for a few moments this morning, there's nothing wrong with looking back and seeing what God has done for us in the past. We must never forget the good things that he's done. We must never forget the blessings that he's provided and given to us. And that's one thing that the enemy always likes to try to do is to cause us to forget. And we are a forgetful bunch of people. And over and over, God in his word, you know, has told us not to forget the blessings of the Lord, not to forget what he's brought us out of and where he's brought us to. I mean, the feasts of Israel, especially the feast of Passover was a celebration. The Passover every year was to do what? It was to remind them of where they were and the condition that they were in and how the Lord brought them out of that place that they were into the place that they are now. And so that's what we do. We remember. We remember where he's brought us up from and where we are today. There are some things, there are some things that we've got to forget about the past. Are you listening to me? There's some things about the past you got to forget and there's some things about the past that you need to remember. But when it comes to forgetting, Paul said in, in Philippians 3, 13, he said that we're to uh, forget. He said, this one thing I do. I forget the things that are behind and I reach forward to that which is ahead. You know, there's a reason why you, in your car that you have your windshield is so much bigger than your rearview mirror. 
because you don't drive down the road looking in your rearview mirror. You're apt to have a mishap. Come on, somebody. Amen. That rearview mirror is just a glance in every once in a while to see what's behind you. And that's the way that it is and should be with you and I as Christians. We just look behind us every once in a while to remember where God has brought us from and to remember what He's done for us. Amen. We got to forget the past when it comes to our sins and when it comes to our our blunders and when it comes to our failures and when it comes to our past mistakes. Because listen, we've all got some stuff in our past that we don't want anybody to know about and we don't need to be dwelling on. Can I get an amen here? Amen. I know y'all a bunch of angels here today. I know that. Amen. But, but here's the good news about the bad stuff of our past is that all of that has been washed away by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have, as they sang about this morning, we have been redeemed. Amen. We are new men and women. We are new creations in Jesus Christ. Old things, all the old has passed away and all has become new in Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank God. For, give the Lord a hand for the blood of Jesus that washes away all of our past. Woo, hallelujah. So those things, you know, the enemy is good about trying to bring up your past. Amen? The stuff that God's already forgiven you about and forgiven you of. And, and, and you just got to learn how to tell the enemy, hey, that's under the blood of Jesus. That old man, we sang about that, that, that song this morning on the, the great exchange. Hallelujah. I'm That old Rick Hensley was crucified with Christ. I died with him on the cross. He's buried. And thank God I've been resurrected a brand new man. And as far as God is concerned, my past is gone. It does not exist. Come on, amen. Doesn't matter what you've done in the past. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God for the mercies of God, for the goodness of God, right? Woo, because we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But thank God for His grace. But there are some things that we need to remember concerning our former days. Those things that God has done for us. Where He's brought us from. The blessings and the benefits that He's given us. He said here in, in, uh, in this verse, Behold, the former things are come to pass and new things I declare. Now, look with me at Isaiah 43. Just turn a page over. And Isaiah 43, verse number, verse number 18 says this. You got it? Verse number 18, he says, Remember you not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Remember you not the former things. Now, when you read that verse, the first, it first appears that God is saying there to, to the people that He was speaking to, that Isaiah was speaking to, and I believe that it's applicable to our lives as well. 
But in that verse, it appears that God is saying, don't remember the former days. Forget about the former days. Forget about the past. But that's not really what the Lord is saying at all. But the Lord, because the Lord does want us to remember, as I said, all that He's done for us. And in studying this verse of Scripture, I believe that what the Lord, in the context of this, because God was talking in verse 16 and 17 about how that He had delivered them from, uh, how He had delivered Israel from the Egyptian bondage, how He had opened up the Red Sea, how He had brought Israel through the Red Sea and drowned all of Pharaoh's armies in the Red Sea. That's what God was talking about in 16 and 17. And so verse 18, I believe, you know, listen, when, when, these, when this was written in the Hebrew, there was no punctuation. Right? They, it was just all one continuous writing. They didn't have commas and periods and all that. When it was translated into English, they added ver, when they added the verse numbers and things, then they put the punctuation there. Well, when they translated the King James Version, it's got a period at the end of verse 18, and it appears that God is saying, don't remember the former things. Don't consider the things of old. But I believe that it should have had a question mark there. Because I believe that God is saying it this way. He's saying, remember, because he just talked about, look, in verse 16, he just talked about, thus saith the Lord, which makes a way in the sea and a path in his mighty waters. He's just talking about how he had split the Red Sea for them, how he had drowned Pharaoh's, uh, verse 17 talks about how he had drowned the armies of Pharaoh. And then verse 18, I believe, should read this way. Remember ye not the former things? Neither consider ye the things of old. In other words, have you forgotten what I've already done for you? Have you forgotten how I made a way for you through the, the Red Sea? Did you surely you have not forgotten how that I split that Red Sea and made a way and drowned Pharaoh's armies and how I've, I brought you into in through the wilderness, how I was with you in Everything that you did, I led you through the wilderness. I brought you into Canaan's land. I drove out the giants for you. I gave you an inheritance. I've made you my people. Do you not remember the former days? Have you already forgot what I've already done and the blessings that I've given you? Come on, somebody. And I think we're all guilty of that so many times are forgetting what the Lord has done for us. Amen? And so that's what the Lord is doing. He's, he's saying, I want you to, I want you to remember. Have you forgotten what I've done? Remember you not those former things? And so he's reminding them of that. And he's telling them, I want you to consider the past miracles. I want you to consider the blessings. And I want those past miracles and answers to prayer and blessings and things that I've done for you to be an encouragement to your faith. And you need to remind the devil every once in a while. Amen. Listen, when he comes up and says, God's not going to 
bring you through this time. You need to remind him, listen to me, old Slewfoot. God has done this for me. He's the one that has saved me. He's the one that has healed me. He's the one that has delivered me. And just remind him every once in a while of the blessings that God has given you and where he's brought you from. There's not a day in my life that goes by. But what I don't get before the Lord every single day and thank him for bringing me out of the bondage of sin that I was in and bringing me into the kingdom of his dear son. I thank him every day that he has washed me in his blood and made me his very own son. Amen? Is anybody here today? Hallelujah. Are you glad for what he's done for you? And that's what the Lord was saying here to to his people. And I believe this is the message that God has given us today, is speaking to us today. But because he's telling us here, don't live in the past. Don't live in the past. Look back to it. But remember the former days of abundant life. And that's why I showed some of these pictures, the small beginnings. And you know, the Bible says for us not to despise the day of small beginnings. The small beginnings, the little room that we started in, the warehouse, the karate school, the orange plastic chairs. Amen. It just does me good to go back and look at some of that and see where we're at. Because I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. When we first started, it, it, it never, I mean, God has done where he's brought us from and where he's brought us to today is far beyond what I could have ever hoped or dreamed or imagined. Are you with are you with me this morning? And some of you were here through the whole, through this whole 16 years. Some of you have been here for 15 or 14 or 12. Amen. Some of you are just coming in. But I'm going to tell you something today that what God has done for us has been great. But I want to make a statement today that God is not finished with us yet. He's not done with abundant life, family. Church, yet he still has a plan for this church and for this ministry right here in Farmington, Missouri. He has set us up. He has placed us here in this, in this lead belt, in this mineral area for such a time as this. And God is saying to us this morning, consider all I've done for you in, in the past. Consider how I've provided for you. And I'm gonna, I just want to stop and say this that through in in 16 years of ministry, God has been faithful to bless this church that we have not lacked for anything at all. Our needs here have always been provided for. We've never, you, you're here, you know, you're here every Sunday. You see me take the offerings on Sunday morning, Sunday night. I don't, I don't beg and plead and pump and prime. I don't get up here. And you never will see me up here with a hard luck story or a sad story. Amen? You'll never hear me get up here and say, well, if y'all don't give a certain amount, we're going to have to close the doors or we're going to have to shut off the electric. I don't believe in doing that kind of stuff. I don't have a hard luck story to tell. You know why? Because I serve a great big God today. Because I serve El Shaddai, the God that is more than enough. Hallelujah. 
as long as we're doing the will of the Lord and fulfilling his plan and promise, he is going to take care of us. As long as we seek him and seek his face, he is going to provide and he's always done it. Woo! There's been some times when it would get a little bit low and I would say, okay, Lord, now, you know, <laughs> you're going to have to do something. But we didn't call for your rummage to have a rummage sale. Come on, somebody. Y'all are not, you know, this is supposed to be a celebration. Y'all don't look like you're celebrating much today. But God has been faithful. He's always provided. He's always taken care of us. And that's what he's saying here. To remember how he's blessed us. Don't forget. He's saying don't forget what I've done. But I believe that what he's saying though is also this. I've done all these things for you. I've done all these things for this church. But God is saying I'm not finished yet. I'm not done yet. Because in verse 19 he says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now consider the days of old. Consider what I've done for you in the past. But behold, I'm going to do a new thing. Now there's been a lot of flaky stuff that's come out of that verse of Scripture. There's been a lot of unbiblical things that have taken place in churches and people have tagged it with this scripture and saying, well, you know, God said he's going to do a new thing. You know, Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun and there's no new gospel and there's no new doctrine. Is anybody here? Brother Rick, we wish you'd preach something new. I ain't got anything new. Everything I got to preach, I got to get it out of here, right here. Amen. That's the only place it's got to come from. Amen. There's nothing new. If it's, if it's new, it probably ain't true. And if it's true, it's definitely not going to be new because it's going to come from the Word of God. Amen? We need to be constantly reminded of the old doctrines and the teachings of the Word of God. Amen? You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a challenge for a pastor, especially when a pastor's been uh, pastoring a church for 16 years to constantly come up with something fresh to give the people. Notice I didn't say something new or something different, but something fresh. And you know, it's the same doctrines and the same teachings and the same Bible and the same Word of God. You just kind of give it in a little different package or a little different way to help the people understand. But there's nothing new under the sun, amen? When it comes to doctrine, when it comes to teaching, when it comes to the manifestations of of the Spirit of God, we have saw, not in this church, but uh, within the charismatic, movement within the Pentecostal movement in years gone by there have been all kinds of strange things and strange manifestations that have, that have crept in that have given Pentecostalism a bad name. And some people have taken all the weird stuff that's happened in Pentecostal churches and tried to lump it all together and say that all Pentecostals are that way. But they're, they're, they're not all that way. Are you listening to me? There are still some true 
Holy Ghost-filled, Spirit-filled churches and ministries that preach and teach the truth of God's Word and that do not allow strange fire within the church. There is a real Holy Ghost move that God wants to give to the church today. Come on, amen. I don't know how I got off on that, but anyway. We're always, as, as, as a pastor, trying to, to, to teach you the Word of God and, and to give it to you the best that we can. And so God says here, I will do a new thing. Behold, I will do a new thing, and now it shall spring forth. And this is a message of encouragement to the people. And I want it to be a message of encouragement to us because when the Lord dealt with me, about this message in this particular text earlier in the week, it, 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 it touched my heart. It ministered to me. Because what God is saying here, He's telling them what He's done for them in the past and how great it was. When He delivered them from Egypt, that was great. That was the greatest demonstration of the power of God that delivered them from the bondage of the strongest nation on the face of the earth by the blood of the Lamb. He brought them through the Red Sea, parted that Red Sea, drowned their enemies. He provided for them in the wilderness for 40 years. They never wanted Every morning there was manna. There was water from a rock. He sent them quails when they wanted meat. He gave them victory over their enemies. He drove out the, the, the inhabitants of Canaan and gave them their inheritance. And God said, I have done all these things. Remember these former days. Remember the past victory. But then when he said, behold, I will do a new thing, he was saying to them, "That you, you remember that, but what I am getting ready to do is that what, what I did in the past is nothing compared to what I'm getting ready to do. If you thought that was good, if you thought that was great, if you thought that was awesome, you just get ready because I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to give you a greater move and manifestation of my power. I'm going to do greater things for you than you have ever imagined. Or ever dream. I'm trying to get some people to believe this today. Amen. The best is what God is saying is the new thing is it's going to be just a greater manifestation of what He has already done. The best is yet to come. Oh man, I tell you, I wished I could get you to believe this today. The greatest is yet ahead. The best is yet ahead. When Jesus turned that water into wine at the marriage feast at Cana, and they took that and they bore it to the governor of the feast, and he didn't know what had happened. But when he tasted that, he said, you know, it's a normal thing is that everybody will put out their, uh, their best wine first. And then after everybody's been there a while and they've, they've, they've been drinking on it and they run out, then they'll bring in that which is worst, the worst. But he said, you haven't done that. 
He said, you've saved. And here's, here's, the, here's the point. He said concerning the wine that Jesus provided, he said, you've saved the very best until the last. And I'm going to tell you that's always the way that it is with the Lord Jesus Christ. He always, see, the world gives its worst first. Or, or the world gives its best first. And then as you go along in sin, it gets worse. Listen, living for the devil is a downhill slide. He'll get you entrapped and enticed by giving you uh, some good time and some uh, fleshly pleasure and that. And you think, boy, this is wonderful. But that's the best he's got to offer. And it always goes downhill from there. But can I tell you, it's not that way with the Lord. Can I tell you something today, Abundant Life Family Church, that the greatest service, you think about the greatest service that you've ever been in. You think about the greatest, that the, the, the most powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit you've ever felt in your life and I can tell you what that that's just that that if you want to use the terminology that's the Lord's worst because his blessing is always getting better amen we'll never reach the apex of it it'll get better and better and better the path of the just is like a shining light the Bible says that grows brighter and brighter and brighter until the perfect day I'm here to tell you today. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come for your life and for this church. God has a plan and it's a good plan. Woo! Hallelujah. Anything that he begins and starts, he finishes it. Amen? Brother Swaggart says it all the time and I believe it. If we won't quit, God won't quit. If you won't quit, the Lord won't quit. And that's why the devil's always trying to get folks to throw in the towel and quit and give up their faith. But God is saying to us today, get ready, church. Get ready, abundant life. I have done some great things, the Lord says, but I will do a new thing. Get ready. Because there's a greater move of God that's on the horizon. There are greater victories that are coming. There are greater blessings than you have ever dreamed of. The new thing, the new thing is not some strange, weird manifestation. The new thing is not some new, strange, different doctrine. But the new thing is going to be a move of God that will be so grand and so glorious that it will make everything that He has already done seem small in comparison to what He is getting ready to do. Amen? He said in His Ezekiel 36 and 11, he promised his people, he said, I will do better to you in your latter end than I did at your beginnings. Oh, we saw our beginnings, but the best is on the horizon. Can I get somebody to agree with me today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The vision that God has given us for this church is going to come to pass. It's going to be fulfilled. Amen. Now listen, let me close. We are in our 16th year. And I, I just want to, how, how many is agreeing with me that the best is still yet in the future? God, God's always, 
leading to something better. The new thing is a greater move of God. We're praying for revival. We're praying for a mighty revival. As I said this morning, not just for this church, but for, for this entire community and for every church that is thirsting for a move of God. We're praying. I am, and we are praying for them. And so God's going to give us. He wants to do that, to give us that. I've got to get you convinced. That's what I'm trying to do. Present my argument and convince you to believe with me. I don't want to hear anybody saying, ah, poor old abundant life. They've saw their better days. They're on the way out. No, we're not. We're on our way up. We're on our way up to a greater plane in God. But we're in the 16th year. 16 years. And uh, I was thinking about this the other day. I thought, God, what's the significance of, 16, of the number 16? Because there are, if you study scriptural numerology, biblical numbers have significance. In the Hebrew... And, um, you know, the number five is the number of grace. And the number six is the number of man. He was created on the sixth day. Six is the number of man. It's imperfection. That's why the number of the beast is what? Six, six, six. Falls way short. Amen? Of what God is. Seven... It's God's number. Is that right? It's God's number of completion. It was on the seventh day that the Lord rested from His work. Not because He was tired. Are you listening to me? Not because He was tired, but He rested because He was done. He had finished His work and He said, everything's very good. I can rest now because it's all done. Amen. That's why, you know, the seventh day, the seventh day was the Sabbath. We don't celebrate. We don't, we don't have church. We don't celebrate. We're not Adventists. We're not seventh day believers. We don't, we don't, you know, yesterday was the Sabbath. Amen. The Jewish Sabbath. But the Sabbath was represented the time of rest. And we are every day, listen, I, every single day today in Christ Jesus is the Sabbath seventh day. It's the Sabbath day because Jesus finished the work and he sat down at the right hand of the Father and we rest today in what he has already done. Amen. Amen. We cease from our own labors and work and rest in the finished work of Calvary. But So seven's the number of completion but I couldn't find anything on 16 except this. You can take it for what it's worth, but this is what the Lord laid upon my heart. I believe it's from the Holy Spirit. The number eight is the number after seven. Obviously, all you scholars know that. But the number eight in the Bible, it, it stands for and represents, it's the, number, num, it's the number of resurrection and it's the number of new beginnings. The number eight. There are eight 
not counting all the saints that rose when Jesus arose, and not counting the resurrection of Jesus, but in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Just bear with me just a minute. There are eight resurrections. Eight is seven plus one. And in the Hebrew, it's, the, it's, the, it's God's number of completion plus one. In the Hebrew, the word, the word that is used for the number eight means, let me, let me give it to you, it means, um, it means to make fat or to superabound. It's the superabundant number. Seven means that which is complete, that which is satisfying. And eight is that which is superabundant. It's the number, as I said, of resurrection. So it's the number of completion plus one. Jesus rose from the dead on the, somebody say third day, but he rose from the dead on the eighth day, the day after the day of rest. So it was the, it's the number of resurrection. Now what does that have to do with 16 other than this? Other than this, and that is that eight, 16 is eight, Doubled. Oh, hallelujah. And somebody may get this directly. Hallelujah. I don't know about anybody else, but I wish I'd have started here. I'm feeling pretty good now. But, but 16 is eight doubled. And when I was looking at this, I came to the Old Testament prophet of Elijah. Do you know how many miracles there were in the ministry of Elijah? Somebody take a wild guess. I know I'm boring some of you, but some of you is with me. There were eight miracles that were, that were performed by Elijah. But then there were how many miracles that were performed by Elisha, his predecessor? There were 16. And one of those, come on somebody, one of those was after, after Elisha had already died and had already body had decomposed and they threw that dead man in his grave and he was resurrected. That was the 16th. Somebody said, you know, somebody would have said, well, you know, he didn't quite fulfill the, the, the double portion because he only had 15, but after he was already in heaven, his dead bones had more power and life in them than a lot of Pentecostal churches do today. Can I get an amen, somebody? <laughs> Hallelujah. But 16 miracles were performed, twice the number by Elisha than there were by Elijah, and the reason being was because Elisha requested a double portion of the spirit that was on Elijah. And I tell you what I believe the Lord laid on my heart. It's time for this church in this 16th year to make this year the double portion year for Abundant Life Family Church. The double portion of God's blessing, the double portion of God's spirit, a double portion of God's power, a double portion of God's anointing to be upon abundant life, family, church, a double portion of the blessing of the Lord in our 16th year. Why don't you give the Lord a praise? Woo! Hallelujah! Woo! Amen. Does that, that ain't too far-fetched. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not doing any damage to the scripture there, am I? God 
is the God of the double portion. Amen. He is the God of the double. When Satan stole everything from Job, God gave him back double. Worship team, come on back. I, I got close. When, when Satan stole everything from Job, and he went through that trial, lost everything he had, but God blessed him in the end, double of everything the enemy stole. Look out, devil. Oh, come on. Somebody say, look out, devil. I'm getting ready for God's double blessing in my life. Amen? In the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy, God gave the law there of the double and said that anytime someone came in and stole something from someone else, that if the thief were caught, that he had to restore it. If they didn't shoot him first, if he was caught and kept alive, that that thief had to pay back double of what he had stole. Amen. See, I, I, I believe that this ought to be a little bit of an encouragement to your heart today and to your life today to know that God has already identified who the thief is and the thief has come to kill and to steal and to destroy. And if the enemy has taken something and stolen something out of your life, I believe God is saying to you today, you need to let the, let the thief know, I'm getting it back double, I'm getting it back. There's, this is the year for the double blessing, the double blessing of the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, stand with me. Let's worship him.